Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr Richard Bloom and Dr Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them and um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. As we age, especially after having children, most of us have a little bit of extra skin or weight around our bellies that we just can't shift. But according to Richard and Kim from Replastic Surgery, there is actually something that we can do about it. So this season, we're going to learn everything that you need to know about the tummy tuck. Welcome, Kim and Richard, today to talk about tummy tucks. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having us back. Hi, Alex. Good to see you. Well, I guess most people would probably have an idea, but can you just run us through what what is a tummy tuck? So a tummy tuck is a uh, another term for that is abdominoplasty. Um, essentially, what that is is dealing with um, the skin and or fat, and usually also the muscles in the lower tummy area. So when we are assessing a patient for potentially for that surgery, we assess those three areas. So whether they have loose or excess skin, and that's what really the operation addresses the best, whether they've got any excess fat. So the operation's not a fat loss procedure, but we can deal with small areas of extra fat that need to be dealt with in, in terms of adding contour when the skin's removed. And then we also assess the muscles. So the muscles we're talking about are the rectus abdominis muscles, so your six-pack muscles. So mm-hmm. everyone has them. Uh, most people you just can't see them in. <laughs> um, and particularly in women that have had uh, pregnancies, then these muscles are, tend to be stretched and um, with a gap in between them in the midline. Um, so a tummy tuck, depending on the extent of each of those three issues, deals with... Uh, ideally all all three of those issues. Do you find that a lot of people think that it's just skin that you're removing and they don't necessarily understand that there is work being done with the muscles? No, I think most people realise that we the, the muscle is a significant component of the surgery. And it's interesting with the muscle. Everyone talks about the separation and the diastasis is the medical term for it and they want to know what their gap is. and But it's actually a lot more than that. It's actually a reconstruction of the and tightening of the entire abdominal wall. So um, anybody who spends significant time in the gym knows sort of those twist um, uh, sit-ups that you do, um, which is working on your oblique muscles. So what we see when we're operating is those oblique muscles, which then attach into the rectus muscle, they're often floppy as well. So when we get rid of the separation, it, it pulls the rectus muscles together, which then drags with it the oblique muscles, and then all of those muscles are then in their best uh, position alignment to function. So even though we tighten the tummy wall, uh, it doesn't that doesn't strengthen the tummy wall in and of itself, but it puts the muscles in a better position so that you can then work in the gym and Pilates and everything else to to improve your tone. And I often liken it to the 
the reins on a horse. So if you've got, if you think of the muscles like the reins on a, on a horse and if they're slack and you pull on one rein, the horse doesn't turn its head or move in the direction you want to do or stop. Whereas if you have them nice on a bit of tension and you pull a little bit, then the horse knows what's to, what to do. And your muscles are a bit like that as well. So if they're not tensioned right, you can do as many sit-ups as you like and, and they just won't um, respond how you want them to respond. Right, so you're just kind of tweaking them a little bit. To... We're realigning them where they're meant to be, yeah. Tweak, tweaking them a lot. Yeah, it, it <laughs> depends on the patient. Like some, some the muscles are very far apart or even just if they're not that far apart, they're quite stretched and so they've, they're functioning um, incorrectly. So by aligning them, um, even if the gap is small, it improves quite significantly their function afterwards. And, and commonly patients will even tell you symptoms that they didn't realise were a problem until after the surgery. Say, for example, they've suffered from some um, low back pain or hip pain or things that they didn't really notice was such an issue until they've had the surgery and they're like, wow, like I, you know, I just feel stronger and tighter and everything feels like it's in the right place. So it has a physical benefit as well as a visual benefit. Absolutely. Kind of, yeah. Absolutely. No, that, that's actually been very well established. So there are studies which going back for years uh, that have established that. The other thing is, is urinary incontinence. Um, so it's well established that uh, doing a muscle plication, which is the muscle repair that we're talking about, um, not only improves the contour but also low back pain, urinary incontinence and a host of other symptoms. Mm. And so before, Kim, you referred to um, many patients having different situations. Can everyone get this surgery or is there a certain groups that are not considered too vulnerable? I guess with any surgery, no, not everyone can get it. So ideal patients for a tummy tuck are where there's excess skin only in their tummy. So, for example, someone's lost significant amount of weight and it's hard to put a number on that but certainly 30 40 50 kilos of weight then generally a tummy tuck is not going to be an adequate procedure they may need an extended tummy tuck or what's called a body lift or a lower body lift or a circumferential abdominoplasty Mm -hmm. which is where the operation goes all the way around the body Also, if a patient is significantly overweight, then, um, as I said earlier, this is not a weight reduction operation. It's essentially an excess skin operation. And so they need to be at or as close as possible to their ideal, their goal weight, so that it's, it's essentially skin that's removed. Other indications that may prevent someone from having their surgery done, um, if they're planning further pregnancies, um, an absolute no-no is smoking. And we talk a lot about women um, having this surgery, but it's only for men as well. Their bodies haven't been changed from pregnancy, but they can they can have some muscle separation if they've had a lot of um, intra-abdominal fat that they've then lost that weight. So they can also have issues with their muscles, but usually less less extent than women do. On the pregnancy point, can should a woman wait till she's done with her family or can they have a, a long Uh, in between, I guess. What is your recommendation? Um, Ideally waiting until the family's complete. But um, for example, if someone thinks that they're done and they have the surgery (laughs) and then a surprise (laughs) or a different uh, plan further down the track, it it doesn't mean they can't have a pregnancy, but it means that the pregnancy 
may undo a lot of the work that has already been repaired so the muscles can um, separate again, the skin can stretch up again. You're starting from zero essentially again. Just to touch on what Kim was talking about with the the patients who are not at their ideal body weight, Um, and it's often a difficult conversation because some some women do see it that it might be a weight loss procedure Um, and it's it's hard to explain. But the reason why it, it isn't is because generally that fat, the, the, the fat can be either underneath the skin and above the muscle or it's what we call visceral fat. So it's in under the muscle, under the abdominal wall, in amongst all of the organs. So we're definitely not operating in there and there's no operation that actually removes that fat. But if there's a lot of intra-abdominal or visceral fat, then the abdominal wall is there's there's high intra-abdominal pressure. And so the abdominal wall is protruding. So there's only a limited amount we can do to to tighten the muscles because it's just too tight. We can't tighten it. And therefore we can't remove that much skin. So there's just not the benefits there of the operation, um, which is often uh, difficult for patients to understand and, and can be quite confronting for them as well because they come and see us and they think this is going to be a solution for them. So, And do you put a number on it? Like is there a BMI or a certain weight that, that women and um, other patients do have to be at? It's a reality that they have to be at that weight. I don't always or don't usually put a number on it. Um, I do ask people what their weight is and calculate their BMI, um, but there's a lot of a lot of things that go into um what makes someone a suitable candidate or not. Um, I think a lot of it is really our experience and examining a patient and knowing what you can achieve and giving them realistic goals. So um, whilst it would be ideal for every patient to have a BMI under 30 or even under 25, that some people genuinely just are at a plateau and feel that they can't change. And as long as they've got realistic outcomes of what we can achieve at the weight that they're at and they're not significantly obese, I would still say that they're a potential candidate, but there's a lot of pre-op consultation that goes into all of that as well. Um, If someone is significantly overweight, then um, and absolutely they're not a candidate. And I would look at giving them sort of a range where I feel that they may be suitable, but you would always get them back again and um, re-examine them. Um, and go through all the pros and cons again. And further to that, it's not just about not being able to achieve a a significant result. There's, again, many studies that show if you've got a body mass index above 30, which is in the obese range, your risk of having a complication is significantly higher. So you're then looking at an elective procedure where you're not going to get a great result and you've got a high risk of wound issues, wound infection, anaesthetic problems, um, uh, lung problems in the recovery period. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't stack up as something that is a responsible thing to do. So it's not only, the, the, the weight thing is not only about not being able to get a result, it's also patient safety. And the other thing on that is if someone is, is still somewhat overweight and has the surgery and then goes on to lose more weight, then their results are compromised as well. So it's always ideal to get, as I said, as close as possible to the goal weight beforehand because if they do lose um, weight afterwards, then they may need to have more surgery 
Um, so it's, it's really an operation you kind of want to do once, want to do it really well because there's significant recovery involved in, uh, in going through this procedure. We're going to cover revision in another episode, but I wanted to talk about, because some people get tummy tucks and liposuction um, mixed up. What's the difference between the two, Richard? So they're very different. So liposuction is removing the fat from beneath the skin above the muscle. Um, So it doesn't do anything to tighten the skin or remove skin or tighten the muscles. Uh, of the abdominal wall. So its place is if you've got good skin tone, good muscle tone and localised deposits of of fat, irrespective of whether it's tummy or thigh or wherever. And in those situations, liposuction can be very effective and, and, and give you a good improvement in your contour. A tummy tuck, as Kim's gone through, actually does, tightens the skin, repairs the muscle wall. And then we use the, the liposuction more as a contouring component often on the hips or in the flanks, sometimes in the upper abdomen as well, just but more of a contouring, finishing touch type adjunct to the tummy tuck. Um, so they are quite different and patients, it's usually pretty clear to us which one a patient needs, but obviously there are some practitioners who don't do tummy tucks, not plastic surgeons, uh, and all they can do is liposuction. So they offer liposuction. And there's also some patients that think that they only want to have liposuction because they don't want to, uh, they don't think they can tolerate the scar that's involved of a tummy tuck and they're clearly not suitable candidates for that on its own. We often, you know, see photos of people that have already got loose skin and say, I don't want a tummy tuck, I just want liposuction. And then that, that, that's absolutely not the operation for them and so... I, w- I wouldn't operate on them unless they would accept having an operation that's going to help them, which would, uh, in the right circumstances, be a, the full tummy tuck. I actually, strange enough, just saw a patient this morning who I had consulted with four years ago and it clearly says, and since I saw her, she went and had liposuction from a, a non-surgeon um, and it clearly says in my notes and I, I read it out to her, not a good, she came to see me for an opinion about liposuction. And it clearly says in my notes, not a candidate for liposuction, minimal subcutaneous fat, needs tummy tuck procedure. Anyway, she didn't listen. She went on and had liposuction and four years later she's back and going to have a, a tummy tuck. And interestingly, she said, yeah, she, she said, yeah, I, I should have listened to you because she got zero benefit from the liposuction. Mm. Well, in terms of that, how much skin is usually removed or and, and what's the biggest amount of skin that you've ever taken off? So essentially for most patients, the skin that is removed is from just below the pubic hairline or a lot of women have caesarean section scars, so it would be below the caesarean scar so that we're not actually um, replacing or like revising that scar that's actually been removed and they're getting a new scar, to about the level of the belly button or often just above, depending on how much loose skin they actually have. Um, And then it's turned essentially into a giant ellipse, so from hip to hip or just beyond the hips. So the way I try to describe how long the scar has to be, because sometimes uh, patients come in thinking that they could just have a mini tummy tuck, which is... a, uh, a short scar, but 
because of pure geometry and even when we're cutting out a skin cancer, for example, you can't cut it out as a circle. It has to be turned into an ellipse so you don't get large dog ears at each end. So the height of the amount of skin that's removed essentially has to be three times that for the width. So that's why it has to go from hip to hip to be able to get a good contour. So there's a lot of skin that can be removed and we know skin is extremely stretchy because we know that people can carry pregnancies they can put on significant amounts of weight. And so the skin that's left behind is what's above the belly button and essentially it's like a crop top that's been pulled down tight to then join up to the skin in that pubic area and then to the hips. And in terms of how much can be removed in terms of weight, we would we always weigh it. And the someone that's very, very slim and has not a massive amount of loose skin, sometimes it can be in the sort of three, 400 gram amount. But generally... Uh, a lot of patients that would be sort of in the one to two kilos. I may possibly be the record holder for this one as well with a over 20 kilo tissue removal wow. last year. To be fair, that wasn't exactly the same operation as what we're talking about, Kim. That's cheating, so please elaborate. <laughs> so it was a, a lady who had a long struggle with weight up and down and she had a lot of excess skin that actually went below her knees um, and so uh, she she was still considerably overweight as well um, and for really hygiene purposes and for her being able to get any kind of clothes or anything to fit. She didn't have a formal tummy tuck but she had that excess amount of tissue from, from her pubic area to below her knees removed. Removed, wow. And now, so in terms of people getting the tummy tuck, are they going to get that amazing flat stomach? If you choose the right patients, then yes. But I think we can only take you so far on the journey. And then we've got the muscles and the skin all in good alignment and tight, but we see huge improvements. And it's quite common that patients after we've got them sort of, it's almost seems to a threshold, they then start exercising way more. They do Pilates, they do a lot more core strength and their muscle and their tummy uh, improves even more after the surgery, which they probably weren't able to do on their own without having had the surgery. So it is a bit of a team effort. We spoke earlier about being at the ideal body weight and that I 100% agree with Kim. However, we there is a bit of tolerance um, after the operation. So I've had patients who've lost five and even 10 kilos after a tummy tuck and the skin that's remaining seems to respond pretty well and tightens up. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we can get you so far and you can get amazing results. But if you then uh, work hard on it yourself, you can even go further than that. Mm. All right. Well, I feel as though we could talk about the tummy tuck all day long, but we're going to wrap up. But before we do, can we just touch on the mini tummy tuck again? W- what is that? And is it a real thing? It's a great question, Alex. Is it a real thing? We don't really know. I think it's it's much more of a marketing thing than a real operation. As Kim said, if you've got excess skin, you, you need to extend the incision to the point where the skin is in excess. Otherwise, you won't remove all of the skin. So people vary in what they talk about in terms of a mini tummy tuck. So it might just be removing a little bit of skin just below the belly button um, and not repairing the muscle. So that applies to very few people, really. The other thing 
is people talk about maybe removing a little bit more skin and what they call floating the belly button. So they cut the belly button off from where it attaches to the tummy wall and just pull it down lower. Uh, again, pretty pointless way of doing it because you end up with a really unesthetic belly button which is sitting way too low or they're, they're not doing a muscle repair which is in 99% of cases is something that really enhances the result. So I think people use it as a, a maybe a marketing tool. I've seen operation reports from other surgeons where they've called it a mini tummy tuck and they've done every single component of a tummy tuck with the scar exactly the same length as what I would do for a standard tummy tuck. And they've called it a mini tummy tuck, I think, just so that it sounds like a quicker recovery or less involved. I, I don't quite understand. But, I mean, you either do the operation properly or don't do it. And and the difficulty with that second procedure that Richard mentioned where the belly buttons floated down is those patients are often not happy because the the distance between where their scar is or the pubic area and their belly button is really short. And if they've come, they then come for a revision and want it fixed, it's extraordinarily difficult mm. to then um, fix down the track. And I, I know we talk about that type of uh, revision in another episode, but do yeah, do one operation, do it properly, do it well, and don't cut corners, I think is probably message. very wise advice. Thank you for joining us today. We are touching on recovery next episode where we'll try about cost and scars and, and all the rest that you need to know about tummy tucks. But thank you very much, Kim and Richard, for joining us. Thanks, Alex. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media. Listener.